Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of She's Got Gall. This is the podcast series brought to you by the Georgia Association for Women Lawyers, and I am Ebony Phillips, your host. I am excited because we are in the midst of our Trailblazer series, um, and we are calling it She Was the First, Conversations uh, with Women Trailblazers. And just to put a little context to it, whenever we start a series or whenever we decide sort of where we're going to go as far as topics on the podcast, we kind of just take the temperature of our membership and our listeners and, and the like. And one of the things that we were hearing uh, quite a bit was people need a roadmap, people need a model, people need some place to sort of aim for. And then they also want some instruction on how to get there. And so that's how the Trailblazer series actually came about. And let me just tell you, tonight, y'all are in for a treat. We have with us Justice Leah Ward-Sears, who many know just, even if I say the name, um, I don't even need to read her bio because everybody knows uh, all the wonderful things that she's done in our profession. But just to be formal and to do it the right way, I would like to read her bio. And then she's going to share with us um, a lot of the trailblazer type things that you may not know, and then some that you may know but also the way that she got to where she is. And then also some advice for those of us who are not where she is, but are looking to go where she's been. So I will start by reading her bio. Justice Leah Ward-Sears is currently a partner with the law firm of Smith, Gambrell & Russell, LLP, where she is a member of the law firm's executive committee, as well as the business litigation and appellate practices. Justice Sears was the first woman to serve as a Fulton County Superior Court judge. She was also the first woman and the youngest person to ever serve on the Georgia Supreme Court when she was appointed by former Governor Zell Miller in 1992. In retaining her position on the Georgia Supreme Court, Justice Sears also became the first woman to win a contested statewide election in Georgia. Born in Heidelberg, Germany, Justice Sears spent many of her formative years in Savannah, Georgia, she obtained her bachelor's degree from Cornell University and her law degree from Emory University Law School. In 1995, Justice Sears obtained an LLM from the University of Virginia in appellate judicial process. She holds honorary degrees from Spelman, Clark Atlanta, Piedmont, LaGrange, Morehouse, and Savannah State Colleges and Universities, as well as John Marshall Law School. Justice Sears began her career with the law firm of Austin and Bird, but left private practice after five years to begin a career in public service as a judge with the City Court of Atlanta. Once appointed to the Georgia Supreme Court in 1992, Justice Sears continued her commitment to service to the people and the state. She spearheaded innovative programs, such as the Georgia Supreme Court's Commission on Children, Marriage, and Family Law, addressing the legal and administrative issues resulting from the increasing fragmentation of Georgia families. Justice Sears was also instrumental in the formation of the Committee on Civil Justice, an organization that develops, coordinates, and supports policy initiatives to expand access to the courts for low-income low Georgia residents. Justice Sears' commitment to the law is further exemplified by her role as past chair of the American Bar Association Board of Elections and the judicial section of the Atlanta Bar Association, where she also served as chair of the Minority Clerkship Program. Justice Sears is founder and the first president of the Georgia Association of Black Women Attorneys, 
an organization serving the needs of Black women attorneys, advocating for women and children, and empowering Georgia's communities. Justice Sears was twice on the president's shortlist for appointment to the United States Supreme Court. She has consistently been on the list of Georgia super lawyers, a distinction for Georgia's preeminent attorneys who attain a high degree of peer recognition and professional achievement. Justice Sears is also a fellow of the prestigious American Academy of Appellate Lawyers, an invitation-only organization whose membership is limited to 500 lawyers and is open exclusively to persons who possess a reputation of recognized distinction as an appellate lawyer. Additionally, Justice Sears contributes her talents in academia. She serves on the Board of Trustees for Emory University and the Carter Center. She previously served on the Board of Visitors of Mercer University Law School and the Emory University Law School Council. She has also taught a course on pretrial litigation as an adjunct professor at Emory University Law School and the University of Georgia School of Law. In addition, she was an advisory board member of the, of the Albany Law Review and the Honors Program at North Georgia College. Justice Sears is equally committed to the community at large. She is the founder of the Battered Women's Project in Columbus, Georgia. She has also served on the board of directors of such organizations as the, as the Woodruff Arts Center, the Sadie G. Mays Nursing Home, and the Georgia chapter of the National Council of Christians and Jews. In addition, she continues to be involved with the Atlanta chapter of the Lynx Incorporated and Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. A biography of Leah Ward Sears entitled Seizing Serendipity was written by Professor Rebecca Davis and was published by the University of Georgia Press in September 2017. Justice Sears was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award at the ADL Southeast 2021 Virtual Jurisprudence Luncheon on April 13, 2021. In 2009, Justice Sears retired from the Supreme Court of Georgia after 27 years of service on the bench. Justice Sears is the daughter of Mrs. Ani Jean Sears and the late Colonel Thomas E. Sears. She is married to Haskell Sears Ward and is also the proud mother of son Addison and daughter Brennan. Welcome, Justice Leah Sears. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Ebony. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let me just- I'm really flattered. Thank you. This is quite an honor, not just for me um, as hosting the program, but also for our listeners, because we know that it is trailblazers like yourself that sort of give us the roadmap. And many of us have dreams, we have aspirations, um, but we just need sort of that nudge in the right direction or the sort of, yeah, if you wanna be this, then don't do that, probably. Or if you're thinking of doing this, then you may wanna consider that. Um, and it's funny because I was looking at, I mean, you've, you've done enough for a book to be written about your life, which speaks volumes. And so it's looking, and the name of the book is, um, as I mentioned, Season Seren Serendipity. And I was looking at the intro and kind of scanning through it, and I thought, wow, this is deep. And just to take a little piece of it, um, it says, how does a young Black woman in the Deep South, saddled with the twin electoral handicaps of race and sex, convince the majority of a state's voting populace to elect her to office four times? How especially can she carry off this feat as a Supreme Court justice often obligated to issue unpopular opinions to protect the constitutional rights of minority groups? Good fortune certainly plays a role. Our fate is helped or hindered by nature and nurture. But genetics and geography, by the era in which we live, 
So too does our preparation for the lucky break and our recognition of and reaction to opportunity. The choices we make and the skill and effort we put into achieving our goals are at least as important as the luck of the draw. And then the author goes on to say, while Sears frequently managed to be in the right place at the right time, she spent decades preparing for those moments. And I think sometimes when we see people who've made the climb, the kind of climb that you've made and achieve what you've achieved, we see the acceptance speech or read the plaque, there's not always an appreciation for all that it takes to get there, right? Sure. And when, when your biographer says that you spent decades preparing for those moments, I thought, okay, well, that makes more sense because serendipity kind of seems like good fortune or you had good luck or whatever. And we know, of course, that that wasn't the case. But in reading that, I was curious. Um, did you did you always know that you were going to be the first woman on the Georgia Supreme Court? Was that ever a goal? Did you know no. that? You, yeah. No, no, Ebony, it wasn't. It, so, okay, so you know, could I ask the biographer when she was writing, why season, why are you naming this book such a weird name, like season serendipity? Right. You know, because she could see, I didn't write the books, a, a professor wrote the book. Right. And, 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 and she followed me for 10 years, okay, wow. writing the book. Wow. And she'd pop up here and pop up there and be talking to my cousin and you know, <laughs> something like that. And, and she said that she noticed that uh, when opportunities came, mm -hmm. I seized them. Okay. Not that you know it was always luck of the draw because it absolutely wasn't luck of the draw, but I jumped on them. Yeah. And I think that's probably so. And I don't know, I think it's just a DNA thing. I always knew, and but and, and I always thought everybody knew this, but I the older I get, I understand most people don't. But I always knew uh, that I was going to be, I wanted to be at least somebody. Mm -hmm. so my, and all my behavior, even, you know, I was born in 1955. It was uh, laughable that somebody, a black woman born in 19, a black girl born in 1955 would ascend to the Georgia, the right. state of Georgia Supreme Court in the deep. So laughable. I mean, right. when my, my father, when I was elected a superior court judge, I think my father passed out. I was like 32. He couldn't, yeah. born in yeah. 1927, he just couldn't. Right, you know, right. The change was so much. It was uh, his daughter, not his son. And she, I'm still black. And right. Stuff. And right. So, uh, uh, what I did do is I my, my, my choices was as if, I was going to, you know, go as high as I could get. Mm -hmm. So I was very careful. I didn't, I wasn't perfect. I didn't do, but, you know, I was as careful as I thought I could be. And yeah. still, yeah, I worked very hard, very studious. Um, yeah. Tried to be as careful as I could about choosing a partner. I just was careful, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, and so I, we met. Um, for the first time many, many years ago when I was still in law school. Couldn't um, be that old. You look like 25. 
Well, I, I appreciate you so much for saying that. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Okay. Um, but I was still in law school. And at that time, I was interning for then Chief Justice Benham okay. at the Georgia Supreme Court. And so we interacted, even though I wasn't your intern, um, on, on some levels. And it was, I want to find the right word, Watch, watching you, right? Like, so we were, we were, the interns were already impressed to be in that space and to right. be in a space of that magnitude. And if you've never actually been down to the Georgia Supreme Court to sort of see all of the, it, it's, it really does, especially the first couple of times you go in, evoke a, a number of feelings and, and you're proud, you know, you're right. proud to be there and all the things. And two things that I always noticed, well, three things that I always noticed about you um, just how open and engaging you were because we, we, we were like, oh my gosh, there's just a Sears, you know? Um, but the, the, the second thing that I took note of was how incredibly smart you are. And that piece kind of dovetails into the third thing, which was as smart as you are, you just had a way of whether it was reviewing, you know, y'all were discussing bench briefs or whatever the justice might right. be doing, or if you're hearing oral arguments. That third thing, though, is what I think I took away the most from, which was although you have a very keen intellect, you had this way of not making the other people in the room feel unsmart, right? If that makes sense. Like, well, that's easy because, but first off, thank you, Ebony, for saying I am smart, you know, really smart. So it's, uh, and I know that, but I'm, I'm 67 years old now, and it's only been in the last, uh, I, it's, it's like 10 years or so that I because really understand my gifts. I'm not smart about everything. I right. don't get everything, but yeah. I, I, uh, I do know I have a certain intellect in certain ways, in certain things. I think, you know, no one's a genius at everything. People right. are sort of this or that. Or, right, but, right. And I, I uh, won't even speak about my gifts because I'm afraid if I do, God will take them away. I don't know. It's <laughs> Honestly, you know, this yeah. like, yeah. need to be humble. Absolutely. It. Yeah, Absolutely. Or I will lose it, wake up, and I won't be that way. Anymore. Right. Right. But, uh, I believe, and I truly do believe this, that every every single person has a glimmer of genius. Mm. Everyone, they just have to find it and and lean on it and, mm -hmm. and go in that direction and not uh, put their light. I think women in particular will take their gifts or put their genius uh, under a, a lamp just to conform. Right, and right. They lose their gift. If yeah. So and the, yeah. the issue is uh, to uh, acknowledge your gift, not be afraid of it, and run with it. Whatever, right. got to right. run with it and not let it, uh, not hide from it. Not, right. not be afraid to let it let it shine. Like you know that song, "This Little Light of Mine." Right, yeah. right. Let the light shine. Don't put it. Don't put it under a a, a jar. 
So you said something interesting about how women will sometimes feel like they need to shrink a little bit Absolutely. to conform or whatever. I they was going to to do that. Yeah. 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 And I was just wondering, um, in all the first that you've accomplished since you mentioned that, do you think that the road to becoming the first or to becoming whatever is different for yes, men and women? Absolutely. Yeah. It's harder, you know, mm -hmm. because of uh, not just different, I'll just say it, it's harder. Yeah. Uh, because even as I was, first off, I'm a Black woman. So yeah. I had these, all this unconscious bias about, you know, I can't be that smart. You know, right. Because we all just aren't that smart. Can't, can't possibly be. So one of the reasons I was really proud to practice with Justice Benham, because he's smart too. And he I was is. just, yeah, he really is. He is. And he's got good ideas and keen intellect. And, oh, it was just marvelous. Yeah. You don't really have a, a, an opportunity to, to dance with other African Americans. Right. A lot of them, you know, once. Right. So, uh, uh, where was I going with this thread? That uh, women, if you succeed, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, are still expected, uh, like, to do all the women stuff, too. Right. When I was chief justice, for example, mm -hmm. I might have a meeting with the governor, but I needed to call my mother every day, make sure my kids got to school on time. Right. Even now, you know, my, mo my mother has dementia. She's very ill. She's in a nursing I'm her only daughter. Okay, yeah. my job is to work my butt off at Smith, Gambrell, and Russell, but I also have an obligation. I'm a caregiver now. Right, right. You know, in a way right. that most, some men are, okay, but men, women are expected to be. And mm -hmm. so, so I work a hard job. I do these podcasts. And right. I'll do another one next week for somebody else in the evening, okay, on right. the weekend. And then works at Smith Gambrell Russell, do a CLE, and then I've yeah. got to go make sure my mother's being taken care of. Right. I don't have a wife. You know, I have a husband, very good guy, but he's not going to, he's just not expected to do all that. Right, right. That's an excellent point. And so we talked about the first that you've accomplished, and there oh. are numerous. So with that in mind, was there added like professional pressure? Like once you started becoming the first at, at all these things, was there added professional pressure or maybe more scrutiny on you, before, you know, once you achieve those things? And if so, how, how did you handle that? It was, it was uh, added a lot more scrutiny. I don't know about professional pressure. It was maybe internal pressure. Right. From me. That, right. Uh, because I knew, uh that there were women that looked like me coming after me, mm -hmm. and I could not fail because if right. I if I failed, then there wouldn't be another woman that looked like me for a very very long time. Right. And so I, I felt like I was often uh, walking a tightrope. It was right. uh, it was stressful. Okay. So yeah, yes. because uh, if a white guy fails, for example, uh, not all the other white guys are judged. Right. The white woman. 
you know. Right. If a, if a black woman fails, we're all messed up. Right. I mean, that's, that's the unconscious bias of our society right now. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is some of the best career advice you've ever received? Um, be careful who you choose as your life partner. Ooh. Whether it's a male or a female or whatever you do, because uh, in the case of, you know, picking a husband, men will say they, they're supportive, but make sure you understand what that really means. Mm. Have a child or two or three. Who's going to be, are they really going to take off from work? Are they really going to support you? Are they going right. to help you? Which I think is bonk. Or are they right. going to yeah? Are they going to really be? I think uh, most men, even minority men, have a a privilege. There's a sort of mm -hmm. a male privilege. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. There's an expectation that there's to be catered to in certain ways. And right. it can right. it can be oppressive for the woman they're with. Yeah. Yeah. Very, just you gotta choose very wisely. And so that's so interesting. Um, but I guess if you could give your 25-year-old self some advice, right? Um, what would you tell yourself at 25? That it's all going to be all right. Oh, that's so deep. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's all, it, I stressed way more than I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I think maybe I just had to because I had, you know, there was a lot of work to be done. But it, I think for everybody, if you just put your nose to the grindstone, do the do the work on, on yourself personally, make the moves you need. If you don't have a job that you like, get another job. And yeah. if you don't like that job, get another job. And, right. And, and see, keep seeking. And if you keep seeking you will find and it's all going to be all right it all mm -hmm. works out in the end even though it may not work out the way we want it to work out or what you know but it all works out so what about situations because you said if you don't like your job get another job keep seeking keep going keep climbing i suppose there have been conversations lately particularly as pertains to women um, about even maybe not just finding another job, but finding another profession altogether. Like they just don't want to be a lawyer anymore. And people are saying, but wait, you went to school all those years. Then you went to law school and you've been trying to climb the partnership track for so long. You're going to quote unquote, just throw it all away. Um, because you're a little bit tired or because you're a little bit frustrated or you're, what do you, what do you, what is your take on that? Do your thing yourself. <laughs> Everybody has one life. Yes. Okay? And it's not for anyone to live somebody else's life. Right. And I don't consider every, every experience you have is a valuable experience, whether it's failure or not, whatever. Okay. Or, you know, rising to the highest thing. So I, I don't think, uh, Anyone gets to choose for you. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's fine. If you want to take your law degree and open up a rib shack, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or be a baker, 
you know, it's hard yeah. finding what what lights you want. But yeah, a real good life should be a life that lights you up, makes you happy. Find your bliss. Make make yourself happy. If you yeah. want to drive NASCAR, do that. Whatever. I like it, NASCAR, because <laughs> that's yeah. about as far away from the practice of law as you could possibly get. But I think you're right. If that's what makes you happy and makes you excited about getting up in the morning. But I think to your earlier point, though, women are just kind of told to conform and to be in a little box, even to, you know, our own disenchantment will stay in situations just because that is what the societal norm is at that particular point. Um, and, you, you know, that too. Yeah. yeah. And it takes courage to buck, you know, to, to be a little different, but it yeah. also is, you know, take, but you want to live your best life. You only get one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are a lot you of chapters. It was Alston and Bird. We first started Alston Miller and Gaines and Alston and Bird uh, to take uh, half uh, the money Right. um, With the Ivy League credentials going to the Atlanta traffic court, people thought I was nuts. Right. But I had decided that I wanted, I liked, I liked the interaction of the courtroom. I liked being there. I liked being with the people and all that. And I thought that, you know, it was, it's time for me to go. And I'll just, you know, I had my, my second child at the court. It was a half day thing. It worked for me you know you don't need to follow anyone else's plan you need to make your own yeah what do you think um was the most challenging part um of some of the and not necessarily about the journey to the supreme court because i know we talked about that quite a bit here but any of the first that you accomplished what do you think was the most challenging part of the journey to getting that because that's that's a big deal you know that's a big deal I think racism, people thinking mm. that I got it because of, not because of hard work, but because, I don't know, uh, you know, an affirmative action type thing. We needed a black here or a black there. And then uh, the insecurity I had for so long about wondering, do I measure up? Am I just an affirmative action type hire? And my married, my husband, Haskell Ward, who told me once, uh, he's a lot older than I am, damn it, you deserve to be where you are. You yeah. should have, people like you should have been there years and years and years ago, seize it and stop walking around, you know, please, uh, I want some more kind of type. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you deserve the money that you make. You deserve to drive a nice car. You deserve it just like the guy who's in the office next to you and stop, stop begging. Yeah. Stop feeling unworthy. Yeah. So many of us listening, if not all, have a tremendous admiration for you, for everything that you've accomplished and being just such a great model for us because there weren't, you know, a lot of that kind of thing going on, especially way back and when, but who is a woman trailblazer that you admire? And why? Well, like, who do, who do you look up to? When people ask me that, uh, the woman I most admire is, well, I admire a lot of women. I mean, sure. you know, they're just, oh, my goodness. But, but I think 
my hero or hero is is Sojourner Truth. Mm. She's just mean. She put it on the line in a way I never did or could. Yeah. You know, getting free, coming back, bringing people out, coming back. Right. Yeah, that's that, that's that's somebody to admire. Yeah, that that's definitely a good one. We're going to wrap um in a couple minutes, but I did want to ask you because we feel like I mean, you've done so much. We feel like we kind of know you. Um yeah. but what is something that might be a little known fact about you that maybe our audience wouldn't just readily know from picking up your bio or picking up your um biography or um hearing you speak? I'm very very close to my mother. Mm-hmm. It's not well now. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, uh, I like to shop at thrift stores. Really? Yeah, because I've been at thrift stores sometimes. And I, uh, you know, going through the racks, which I, oh, my God. I, I <laughs> in at the Remember, I was in public service for so long. that I had to pay for Woodward Academy. Right. You know, and, and I... I remember somebody saying more than once, Justice Sears, is that you? <laughs> Which I always kind of enjoyed. So I yeah. like high tea at the, at the uh, Four Seasons. Yes. Quite a little quirky. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But I, yeah. That, those aren't in my bio. <laughs> well, Justice Sears. I, I, I love my husband. We married yeah. twice. I love. My husband, I have a dog who I understand was just told of by a Facebook friend is a, a Mississippi black mouth cur. Oh, See, it's real cute with he sort of has a Batman eye look. I almost stopped <laughs> him because I thought, oh, that is weird. But when I saw <laughs> the person, I was like, oh, I have to have you. Oh, yeah, very cute. So, Justice Sears, what types of things did you get at the thrift store? Uh, it, any bargain I could find. I mean, honestly, you know, bags. And yeah. I, when my son was at Woodward Academy, I could go there and get blazers because I, mm-hmm. I was on a budget. And yeah. I, would, I wouldn't go into the uh, uh, gift shop where the blazers were like, I can afford it now, but it's on the sure. Supreme Court, I can't, you know. So right. I would get uh, his blue blazers. I'd get like five. They would be five ninety nine a piece. Wow. And then I would uh, sew the patch on, you know, late at yeah. night. You'd be good to go. Wow. You know, oh. when you grow up, I wasn't, you know, I grew up, I, I was like middle class, straight up middle class. So, uh I know how to shop. I know how to clean house. I know right. how to hire. Uh-uh, I can do all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I am really, really surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to um, say that your thrift stop, of all the things that you said we may not know, I'm going with thrift shop as my favorite one of all <laughs> the ones that you mentioned. It's just fun, and you're not going to spend a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Little it's, it's a good way to to let off some steam for me without going broke. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed talking to you. I am so thrilled that you said yes um, when we invited you to come on. Being the first woman to serve as a Fulton County Superior Court judge, if that wasn't enough, 
you know, the youngest person to ever serve on the Georgia Supreme Court, the first woman to serve on that court, the first woman to win a contested statewide election in Georgia, the one of the founders of the pre preeminent um, Association for Black Women in Georgia, the Georgia Association of Black Women Attorneys, we call it GABWA. Um, and then the first president of that organization, I don't know if there's much left, but I'm sure if there is, you're going to find it and you're going to excel like you always do. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you. And maybe I'll bump into you at a thrift store at some yeah, point. Maybe so. We can go to Goodwill together. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of She's Got Gall. This has been Justice Leah Ward Sears telling us all about how to be our best selves and how to do our best shopping, as it were. We'll yeah. see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much.